it knows I'm here. Look, I know the supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen, but it does happen. Now look, Doc, we're buddies, okay? But don't try to convert me. I'm trying to prepare you. My name's Marquay, Dr. Marquay, a scientist interested in the supernatural, the unnatural, if you like. I came to Hill House to find the key to another world. Assisting me in this exploration of the unknown was Eleanor, Nell, who could look back into the past, and Theo, something of a witch who could see into the future. This is Luke, who didn't believe in anything until evil, patient and waiting, made him change his mind. Stop it! God. God. Whose hand was I holding? How many of us take seriously the things we cannot or do not want to understand simply because we are afraid? Eleanor, you call! Did you hear me calling? This house. You have to watch it every minute. The Haunting was produced and directed by Robert Wise, brilliant producer of West Side Story. The stars consist of a cross-section of top talent in the world of entertainment. Julie Harris, Claire Bloom, Richard Johnson, Russ Tamblin. What does it take to convince you that the dead do not always rest in peace? That some houses, like Hill House, are born bad? Welcome to episode 8 of the Black Sunday Takes Classic Horror. This week we are entering another haunted house. This week we are venturing to Hill House, but not Hill House of the popular and amazing Netflix series, but Hill House of 1963's The Haunting, which I you, you'll know how into cinematography I am and I am ashamed that I've owned this for over a decade and just watched it for the first time. <laughs> it's so good. Go ahead, take over, bro. Like, we, we, we don't Have you? <laughs> is this the first time you have seen this film? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. This is the first okay. time I watched it. And yeah. oh my god! So so was it not for you? Had you seen it before? Again, like a few films we've done years and years and years and years ago. So much so that I completely forgot that this kind of does tie to the Netflix series. So for those of you that are not really aware, so the film The Haunting, of which we are discussing, the 1963 version, is called The Haunting, but it is based on a book called The Haunting of Hill House, which was also developed into the Netflix series of a few years ago, which is absolutely amazing. However, they change the story a little bit. They make the characters um, family where in this uh, they're not family they're random strangers uh, brought together by the character of dr john markway and yeah this was again i'd seen this years and years ago i think in college 
had a huge impact on me. I do remember elements of the film. I just kind of forgot it was tied to the Netflix series in that way. But yeah, this film has had huge impact on me as a filmmaker. You touched on cinematography, a lot of what I like about cinematography, a lot of what they've done with this film really, really speaks to me. And in terms of like classic cinema and classic horror, it's quite an experimental film in a way in which it was shot. There's a lot of kind of Dutch angles. Probably why I love it as much as I do. Exactly the Dutch angles of it all. Yeah, there's Dutch angles. The hallways. The hallways. They're great, aren't they? Like, I mean, there's so many great things that we're going to get into, but I think the the thing that sticks out the most to me is the, uh, what's her name? Mel. That's her name. Um, yeah, yeah. The, uh, the, lead the scene where Nell is running down a hallway, and it's okay. You know way more about like the the specs of film than I do, so maybe you can answer my questions about the the lenses okay. and whatnot. But what kind of a lens allows for the infinite uh, clarity? Where you're, they were. It was the doorway, and it was shot all the way down, and she starts really tiny, and then comes full frame, and it's oh, like yeah. she grows yeah. in size, like it's. It's bizarre and amazing and awesome and subtle and like maybe some people don't care or even remember what I'm talking about, but it it I was taken by it both times I watched it because I watched it with the commentary. Well, I think on that note, I think that is the beauty of the cinematography is the different lenses they use. So what you refer to would be a lens with a infinite focal lens, basically where you where everything's in focus and you see what's coming off in the distance and like you say they they turn up into the foreground and and you see everything opposed to what you normally see in film, which is very short focal lengths where you get that amazing depth of field where a lot is out of focus and your subject is in focus. But they switch between their use of lenses in this mm-hmm. incredibly the way they light certain scenes is absolutely amazing the mirrors the use of mirrors yeah yeah well they also there is a you know we obviously touch on trivia at the end of our shows but a little bit of trivia on the lenses they actually use certain lenses on this film that had a almost bowed effect so it -hmm. would give the illusion that the walls were not completely straight I thought it was a fisheye lens, but it turns out uh, it was a 28 millimeter lens that the director actually had to sign a waiver saying that he was aware there was distortion in the lens before they would let him use it. That's incredible. incredible. (laughs) Yeah, it's a stunning, stunning film. And there's a lot I want to get into with characters and... A little bit of trivia that kind of ties back to a film we spoke about before and the characterization of uh, gay characters in early cinema. Um, okay. This is another film that touches on that, oddly enough, two haunted house films. So okay. it just shows you the scope in horror to tackle subjects that are way too taboo mm-hmm. in the, other genres. The queer connection to horror is ever deepening. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. And it, it just shows how far it goes back and how how open not only the filmmakers but the actors were to exploring and putting those characters on screen in a not like negative and or exploitative light no and not in a not making a really big deal out of it either at all yeah like Which, nobody nobody does no yeah and it's great it's really 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 great so do you know what let's let's just touch on that so the the character 
I'm referring to is Theodore, who is played by Claire Bloom. And if Theodore is uh, gay, there's actually a deleted... I don't even know if they filmed it, actually. There was a scene, I know it was in the screenplay, where at the beginning of the film, you're meant to have an early intro. in the screenplay. Yeah. I I was trying to cut you off, but on the commentary, I believe the writer spoke of this specific scene. Right, interesting. Okay, yeah. So in the early draft of the screenplay, you were introduced to the characters a lot earlier than, than you kind of are. For those of you that are listening that haven't seen the film yet, you essentially meet, apart from... uh, Dr. John Markway and Eleanor Ornell, as she's referred to in the film, they have intros kind of before everyone's in the house, but everyone else you kind of meet from Nell's point of view. However, in the original screenplay, there were scenes that introduced you to these characters. And the intro to Theodore was the, she was having an argument with her girlfriend who during the scene becomes her ex-girlfriend and they break up and then she leaves for Hill House. We don't get that scene, um, and from what I understand, the reason why that scene was cut wasn't for censorship reasons or anything like it. It was purely because that scene is very overstated. It's very blown up. You know, it was this huge argument to kick the film off, and the director, who I want to get into in a little bit as well, he just wanted to go for a really understated intro to everyone, you know, really build everyone up, really have a a bit of time for us to get to know everyone and he thought that those character intros at the start kind of took away from that so a nice genuine reason as well not not a censorship reason so when we are introduced to Theodore uh, it's quite clear from the offset that she has some form of attraction to Nell and yeah it's not overplayed it's played very nicely i feel I, I feel like it's treated with a lot of respect a line that made me giggle where uh, uh she like links arms with nell at one point and she says uh by the time i get through with you you'll be a different woman or a different yes. person or something yes. along those lines i was like oh yeah. well then okay <laughs> yeah exactly yeah i thought that was a really nice touch with this and that um really calls back to some of the other stuff we've touched on with the previous films we covered where that was also um the case in those films so yeah i i love that i i think that really does show you the scope of horror to tackle these subjects that other genres won't dare tackle so who in the so i've just touched on theodore i really love theodore i felt that uh the character of nell played by julie harris was great as well i felt that julie harris done done a really really good job and oh, yeah. um, Richard Johnson as Dr. John Markway, they they all stood out for me. I, I thought they were great. I thought they... But yeah, in terms of the cast, who who really stood out for you, or, or character-wise, what, what really worked for you? I actually felt that the, the entire ensemble worked very, very well. Okay. Everybody. Um, I, I mean that very truthfully, because the cast isn't very large. Um, and even the small character of Grace... And uh, like, like, like she has very little to do, but while she's there, her impact is strong while she's there, even though she's not there very much. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. I, can, yeah. I, yeah, I couldn't agree with that more, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 I really do agree and, with that. I think it's great. So even, even like the, the, the kind of douchey uh, uh, Luke. Yes. He's really douchey, but he's also like you totally get his point of view and he's there as the skeptic and is skeptic until he can't be 
Yes, yes. And a little bit of trivia around him. So Russ Tamblin, he does have a uncredited, I believe, cameo in the uh, Netflix remake, uh, The Haunting of oh, really? House. Yeah, he <laughs> plays the uh, he plays Nell's psychiatrist. Okay. In in the TV show, yeah. So um, if you've never seen that, dude, like, watch it. It's so yeah. good. And season two is coming out soon, man. Okay. And uh, yeah, it's it's completely different. It's like another haunted house setup. Same cast, but they're playing different characters. But yeah, um, yeah I mean that dude, man. Like that director, Mike Flanagan. He, uh, he, he he's God. he's a street first alumni. Yeah, dude, yeah, he fucking is. Doctor yeah. Sleep. Tell me you saw Doctor yeah. Sleep. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Dude, I saw that in the in the Dolby format, and okay. I could not have been any more pleased. Like that's why I need to be. I need to have the kind of money where I can have my own Dolby setup. And yeah. like, <laughs> I don't. I don't, I don't even need like a giant theater. I just need the screen to be like the smallest screen at your local multiplex. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, yeah, but it has to have because that the heart, the heartbeat mechanic that's 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 in that's in Doctor Sleep. You felt it in your chair. Mm-hmm. It, it was. So so when when he dropped it out, it wasn't just an audio dropout. It was you were now physically you you had a thump going on a methodical yeah. little yeah. Con- consistent thump, and then it stops. So it's like like you didn't realize it was there until it was gone. Yeah, and it's like oh, it was so fucking cool. Oh man, uh, that, like he just knows his stuff. Like he is one of the most underappreciated horror directors out there. If you just go and look at his back catalog, like he's done a lot of work with Netflix. So not just the uh, Haunting of Hill House TV show, but he's done quite a few Stephen King adaptations for Netflix. All of them great. Like oh, wait, did he do, did he do that fucking did, uh, ugh, this Gerald's one? game? Yeah, yeah, he done Gerald's game. Oh yeah. uh, no. Yeah, man, Dude. he's he's such a good director. He's such a good director. But yeah, we're getting a little, we're getting a little. Uh... Have you seen that? Yes, I yeah, I've seen everything he's done. I've oh, seen okay. everything he's done. Oh, he's okay. he's outstanding. So they're all he's great? absolutely okay, cool. outstanding. Yeah, he's never made a bad film. Even the he made the second Annabelle. For, oh, sorry, well. Haunted Hill House as one of the best fucking scares I've ever seen. It's so fucking good. I'm jealous I didn't fucking come up with it. Like, it's that fucking good. It's the type of scare, it's the type of jump scare where I would be proud of it, and I fucking hate jump scares, but it's done okay. so well, and it's set up so fucking well, and it makes perfect sense as well. It's a jump scare that makes sense. Okay. Oh, so good. So good. I'm done. I'm down. Right, cast. Is there any more you want to say on the cast? Again, with small characters, man. The uh, The groundskeeper lady who has just the one delivery and she needs to get through them to everybody in the house, you know, in the night, yeah, in the dark. Really yeah, like that, really she knew exactly what she was in. She knew exactly why she was there. And it was perfect. The yeah. look on her face. I just, this movie was so, I mean, I, I'm even gonna say it's better than I thought it was. Cause I, it was going to be, cause I just didn't expect that it would do such interesting things with camera work that you know it would it would it would have the the queer content and that that would be just sort of part of the story and nobody was was weird about it that well, one of the other really interesting things that they did was uh, visually to make the house look bizarre was use infrared film on some of the exteriors and that, that, that yeah. that's why the uh, the the clouds take on like a black quality yeah, that's why you get the the house really stands out, doesn't it? 
Yeah. Yeah. I thought, I don't know if that was the first time that was used, but that's been used a few times in classic horror films. And it, yeah, it's a great effect, man. It really stands out. It's very yeah. of its time, but I like, I, I love it. I, and I thought the way they used it in the open in this film was fucking great. It really was. Where Luke is just being at the height of his, I'm not going to believe any of this nonsense. One of his lines is, don't give me any of that supernatural jazz. It was like, <laughs> really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Supernatural jazz, really. Well, I thought on that note, I think the screenplay for this film was was quite playful when it needed to be playful, quite serious when it needed to be serious. Absolutely. Yeah, I really enjoyed the screenplay for this film. I think some it was kind of pitch perfect, to be honest. I agree with you, man. Like, like some of the most interesting bits on the commentary were when the writer was speaking about how he adapted the material and sort of specifically what we were talking about. Like, you like, you keep it really tight where he said like in the book there's a bunch of stuff where the there are sequences outside of the house yeah and he was like none of that had anything to do with the crux of our story so i just cut also all... did he touch on the fact that like he left out a lot of the supernatural elements as well like so there's oh, a lot of in the book not. no right okay so in the book there's a lot of supernatural elements that happen to like the rest of the cast I haven't read, I haven't read in the his book, screenplay he very much focuses on Everything that you see happen or anything kind of paranormal all happens with Nell. Yeah, exactly. In the film, because it's all from our point of view. And did he also touch on his original draft of the screenplay, of which the writer Shirley Jackson of the book um, kind of kind of turned down? Tur- turned it down? No. I... Yeah. So when I, I... so so uh, Robert Wise, the director, he Correct. saw a great review of the haunting of hill house book he purchased the rights to it and he they then like hired a writer and he he started working it and his original interpretation was to completely make this a all from the mental point of view of Nell. so everything that happened was possibly in her head now they still kind of kept that in the film but it was a lot more from the point of view of the original setup was Hill House was actually a hospital and all the characters were doctors and nurses that mm-hmm. Nell in her imagination was she was making them these different characters but they were just doctors and nurses and it was all happening in her imagination and the paranormal stuff in the film like the banging on the walls and the screams at nights were all results of like shock therapy I yeah like really fucking dark that. yeah fucking really cool. really dark fucking deep shit man but um yeah, Shirley Jackson, when she like read it, was like, "No, this is just like a haunted house film." <laughs> she was like, "It's got nothing." Yeah, it's not. No, they, okay, they did. It's they did touch on, on, on this. Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Or they so at least touched on that portion of it, where where like the original intent was to be more in her head. So you went into way more detail, but yes, they did touch on the fact that it was supposed to be more okay. in her head, okay. and yeah, that so they, Shirley Jackson went, "No, it's more of a haunted house picture." Yes, exactly. And yes. So he had to. He had to. Uh, Nelson Giddin, I believe his name is, he had to walk it back and make it more of a haunted house film. But he then completely streamlined it and made it all from Nell's point of view. And it was a story of if Nell was going insane or not. Okay. I mean, like, just imagine if they had made that, like, in 63. Like, like they, like if they made that today, you'd be like, damn, right on. I'm down. <laughs> it's crazy, right? Because that's with the car. I, like you said, as an ensemble fucking outstanding right like they're so great i think 
obviously the the standouts for me you know i said them at the top last time again julie harris as nell claire bloom as theodore and richard johnson as uh dr markway uh, are all absolutely outstanding and i think they they play their roles really really well i think they with what they have to work with from the screenplay as well like i like i said i love the screenplay i think the screenplay is really good i think there's some stuff that nowadays is a little bit outdated like the heavy voiceover oh well, my god beginning, you really <laughs> one, of my, one of my notes was there's so much voiceover in this it might as well be a batman comic right exactly it's it is it's very very heavy and i don't think i think julie harris as nell does her best with that i don't think it's dated very well but you know it still works it still works it's still fine like overall cast outstanding really really like the cast please let us know what what you think of the cast because for me you know kind of one of the highlights of going back and watching these classic horror films is kind of rediscovering these classic actors and yeah i love them please let us know please let us know what you think so next up man what i really want to get into is the we touched on it a little bit the huge highlight of this film for me was the production so the i i feel like the production just top to bottom i feel like it's expertly directed from a incredibly talented director who who we'll get into in a little bit but it, the the cinematography we touched on you know everything the, the camera work the lighting uh, even the post work the editing the sound design the score everything works for me man okay so for me it's absolutely the uh, absolutely the sound design i really want to see this in a theater or with uh you know surround sound remix this yeah just just watching it on, on in its original i think i was watching it in a it was either a stereo or a mono mix okay so the the clanking as they are telling us they're hearing it go all around the room which is kind of seemed sort of omnipresent if you will yeah uh but but at the same time i was like oh thing was dancing around the room this would be so creepy and awesome so apparently they had the taste of some of the the sound design on set so, for instance, the uh, sequence with uh, Nell and Theo where they're um, huddled on the bed and just outside their door is something going on. Uh, they actually had most of those sound effects playing so that they, they weren't, you know, they weren't essentially early green screen acting. They were reacting to yeah. what would eventually wind up in the film. Yeah. From what I understand, that's a bit of a director trademark. Uh, yeah, Robert Weiss loved doing stuff like that. He loved... Um trying to bring as much of the film to set as possible and doing as much of it for real as possible. So yeah, with them, with them sound effects. And I, I think it really does make a huge difference. I feel like in one scene in particular with no one feared or in the bedroom, the, the terror on their face, but then also Nell's reaction when she runs up to the door and starts beating on the door. Right. I think you can tell she's really reacting to something rather than like, Oh, pretend there's banging and, you know, we we put it in later. No, I think you you really get a different performance out of actors when you can give a tank on set. And yeah, man, I, I think it made a huge difference. But the sound design across the board, I feel like the you know the those are the big elements that really stand out. But I think like the small elements of just kind of the sound design around the house, the floorboards, the you know the creaking of the windows, the wind, mm-hmm. the doors. You know, some are like just the different. It's got so many different sounds for doors. Like some are really heavy. Some, you know, have that classic haunted house creak to them. 
it's just really, really well put together. You can tell this is these are expert filmmakers that really, really care about the craft. This was a guy who really, really wanted to make very good haunted house film. And well, and he also specifically wanted to make it in black and white, which apparently even in 63 yeah. was already sort of so passe, people kind of didn't want to go in for it. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Black yeah. and white was like well on its way out. I mean, when, you know, when Hitchcock shot Psycho in black and white, that was purely a budgetary reason. And even then people weren't sure it was going to work because black and white was well on its way out. Yeah, from what I understand, like you touched on, Robert Weiss wanted to shoot this in black and white. He didn't want to do it any other way because he loved the depth and the shadows you mm-hmm. get with black black and white film. The, the the crisp shadows that were being thrown on the walls and stuff, you're like, dude, this thing is lit like nuts. Like it wasn't bad. It was just to me noticeable. Oh, it wasn't it wasn't bad by any stretch of imagination. And, and at all, yeah. No, outstanding. I just, yeah. yeah. I, I completely understand what you mean. I completely yeah, understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there are the shadows are very deep and dark. Very deep and dark. But it adds to craft of the film. It is crafted perfectly. Absolutely yeah. perfectly. It's like 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 we, we, we said like the cast is great. They all do exactly what they need to do and they all and they're all wonderful, but it's almost like <laughs> they're they're like if, if if i were to list like the things that impressed me most it would be like set design sound design then the cast you know what i mean like oh yeah i completely agree i think the cast are given a hell of a lot to work with i think the i think it's a huge bonus and i think this film's as good as it is because the cast work really well but even if the cast didn't work that well i, I feel like i would still enjoy this for the reasons you said I don't know, man. Like I said, like I'm, I'm genuinely annoyed. I hadn't watched it before yeah. now. It's, <laughs> man, it's just so. And like, like how, how was your HD transfer? Because like, I, I, I oh, watched great. it on DVD. Great. It, it was stunning. It was absolutely okay. stunning, man. Like it's, it's, it transferred beautifully as you would expect from films of that era, you know, because they're all shot on, you know, crystal clear 35 millimeter film. And if that 35 millimeter film has been preserved, then there's no reason why you shouldn't get a great transfer out of it. Film doesn't have a pixel ratio, right? It doesn't. That's not how film works. But if you were going to assign it a pixel ratio, the pixel ratio of, say, 35 millimeter film, which all these films are shot on, is still far greater than 4K. I heard 8K is pixel to pixel 35 millimeter. That's what a dude who worked in the authoring department at Warner Brothers told me. I can see that. I can see that. I think once you get up to 8K, you're you're probably reaching to, to where you are. But the difference is... The way film works is you're you're just throwing light for it, right? And depending on the depending on the lens of your projector and the distance from your screen, there's no reason really why you can't blow that up to your heart's content because you're just throwing light through celluloid. So that should transfer perfectly, right? As long as you've got a decent lens and a big enough bulb to to throw that to whatever size screen you're doing, that should transfer perfectly. The difference with digital is you have only so many pixels to blow up. And once you blow that up beyond what screen that's meant to play on, then pixels are now stretching beyond mm-hmm. their original format. So that's why it starts looking a bit a bit outdated, really. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's no reason why. I, I know that's like a huge confusion, actually. So I'm glad we've kind of brought it up on the podcast because a lot of people do wonder why old films look so good when transferred but it's purely because they're shot on film so when people like tarantino and nolan 
make these arguments for why we why we should still shoot on film. There is definitely an argument there. Just as a side note, I don't fully agree with everything they say because it is far too expensive. But the yeah, there's definitely an argument there, and that's their main reason why is because films that were shot a hundred years ago still look as good today as mm-hmm. they did back then. Cool, cool. So in terms of production, uh... man, the last bit I want to touch on with production is just the editing. The editing is is pitch perfect. Absolutely yeah. pitch perfect. It's so they hold shots when they need to. They cut relatively fast for the time when they need to. The somewhat jump scare moments within the film are perfectly edited. The reaction shots are perfectly edited. The you know the, most of this film takes place with four characters in any one scene. Mm-hmm. You never feel like you've lost one of them characters or you don't know where one of them characters is. That's a very, very difficult achievement. It's outstanding. Even you know, at the one point when they when they pop back in after uh, you know, the, the sequence of the two of them on the bed, yes. it's yes. like you, you you didn't miss them. They weren't where'd they go? And when they pop back in, you're like, Oh yeah, where were they? Oh, and they just told us, Okay, we're good. Yeah. The lay <laughs> the lay of the land, the way they set out the geography of the house and then the way they film that and edit that i i keep saying pitch perfect but there's no other there's no other phrase to describe it it's that good it really really is it's so it is expertly put together because it is made by an expert director and i i don't mean that lightly do you do you know anything about the director i honestly don't know that much about him but i do know he made west side story yes he did so I mean, he didn't just make West Side Story. This is a guy who... Here's the thing. He's not a guy who's a household name. However, the films in which he was involved with are household films. So like you touch on, West Side Story. West Side Story won the Academy Award for Best Picture and Best Director. Also, so he won that in 1961. In 1965, and again, how many directors can you say have done this? He won Best Picture again and Best Director again for The Sound of Music. Well, see, I mean, come on. Right. And then see, in, no, it's just musical and horror. Come sense, on. Right? Like... In 1979, didn't win an Academy Award for this, but in 1979, he directed Star Trek, the motion picture. <laughs> That's why I recognize his name. Right. Okay. He, he is like, on, uh, right. And, and I'll just throw off a couple of other things. He directed the original The Day the Earth Stood Still. No, no. What I really want to touch on is this guy. This guy had filmmaking in his blood. He he had he was a born filmmaker, right? And everything we have credited and how well this film is put together. I, I keep saying it's crafted very, very, very well. And it is crafted very, very well. Not only did he make all of those classics, plus lo- plus loads more. I, I, the guy made a ton of films, all of them good. I, I haven't touched on hardly any of them. I've just touched on the ones we've all heard of. But here's a fascinating bit of trivia that you have to kind of dig into a little bit to realise. Everyone knows Robert Weiss as a director, or maybe you don't, but you know his films, right? And when you know his films, you know he directed them. You look into Star Trek, he directed it. Day the Earth still directed it. The Haunting directed it, right? Blah, 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 blah. He directed all this. That's not how he got his start. He got his start as an editor. He originally got a little run-in-the-mill job at a studio Working. called RKO Pictures. <laughs> yeah. Not really, not really doing anything. And then yeah. he got a couple of B-movie B-movie pictures to edit, right? Probably most notable, The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Classic, old uh, monster film. Two years later, 
he was then tapped up by Orson Welles to edit Citizen Kane. There like, it is. What? There it is. So this and dude added, didn't only techniques. Come on, man. So this dude, literally, everyone says when you talk editing. There is editing before Citizen Kane and there is editing after Citizen Kane. Citizen Kane pioneered so many techniques, but one of the big ones was editing. This guy edited Citizen Kane, went on to then direct in, I, I think it was two or three years later, his first feature film. Then didn't stop, didn't stop, just made classic after classic after classic after classic. The pedigree of this man is unbelievable it really really is and it's something that Remarkable i just wanted to touch again. on because you know it's one of those it's just one of those directors that i'm very passionate about but for whatever reason just a lot of people have you know he just, he just wasn't a household name which is crazy absolutely crazy two-time oscar winner how many directors have won two oscars for real yeah <laughs> absolutely that's done man absolutely outstanding. so that was that was just my little note on it I know you were a big fan of the way Derek did, so so we kind of wrap that up there, and then uh, yeah, let's get into a bit of trivia, man, because I think there's there, there's a few interesting trivia bits around. It's not as much as uh, say last week's episode of Peeping Tom. Obviously, Peeping Tom right. had a lot of crazy trivia around it. I don't think we're ever going to touch on a film that has that much crazy trivia. I mean, but come um, on. yeah, I know crazy, right? But yeah, The Haunting <laughs> Man. What what have you got with regards to trivia? So Russ Tamlin, who played the uh, the the douchey doubter, he uh, was a self-proclaimed in real life uh, doubter of all the supernatural, and had an experience where breaks down to he felt ice on the back of his neck, and reached up and felt nothing there except that it was still feeling like there was ice on his neck. He uh, was so freaked out he just ran back into ran back into the to the to his room it was like he didn't even tell anybody about it at the time and years later he, he would go on the, to to recount recount the story a few different ways but it's you know whether or not you believe in that kind of stuff uh it, that's interesting yeah it happens another bit of interesting trivia that i found was the house that they shot at is actually now a five-star style hotel called the eddington hotel that you can to this day go stay at interesting and that's in the UK, right? Oh yes, yes, yes. Ooh, I might have to, I might have to go and stay there. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. That might be interesting. Yeah. All right. So from my side, I mean, to be honest with you, I've touched on a bit of the trivia throughout the episode, as I always do. I, I find it so hard to save it for the end of the episode. I end up bloody giving it all away. Right. But in terms of um, one bit of trivia, I want to bring up just in context of another episode we touched on was when we done our uninvited episode. We said about how. Um, Martin Scorsese had labelled that one of the greatest horror films ever made and then again with last week's episode of Peeping Tom how Martin Scorsese was completely influential in the resurgence of that film after it got banned and kind of taken out of circulation everywhere in terms of his favourite horror film of time this is it The Haunting is Scorsese's favourite horror film of all time and he holds this one up as the absolute benchmark of horror so, yeah, I just thought, like, tying back to a couple of other episodes, that was really interesting. And then for me, kind of just rounding out everything we've been talking about, but mainly about the cast, is that I thought it was quite interesting about how it's widely reported that the cast got on very, very well during this film. They all really enjoyed working together. However, the person that 
no one could really get a read on was uh, Julia Harris, who played Nell, because she was very cold and she was very um, kind of aloof with everyone. And, and she kind of distanced herself from the rest of the cast between scenes and between takes. And that was never more evident than to Claire Boone, who played Theodore, because mm-hmm. they shared a lot of scenes together. They obviously had that scene in the bedroom. And, you know, like I said, between takes, Julia Harris was a little bit cold to her. Really interesting, after the film had wrapped, Julie Harris went to Claire Bloom's house with some flowers and explained to her that her coldness had nothing to do with not wanting to get along with them. She actually thought they were all very lovely people and she'd love to work with them again. It was purely because she was in character and didn't want to break character as Nell was an outsider and was meant to be unsure within the film of the other characters so she thought by mingling with the actors who portrayed the characters uh, that would then influence her performance and she uh, wouldn't deliver the performance she did so yeah that's a bit of method acting for you right if you're interested in hearing that from julia harris herself she recounts that exact tale on the commentary oh interesting oh that's cool oh that's cool that's interesting i know she also said that I think it was like 20, 20 years after the film come out, she went back and when she watches it now, her only regret is that Nell is quite a straight character. She wishes she was a bit more out there and a bit more, like she said, sank along the lines of she just looks like a your everyday woman from the 1960s. She wishes that she was a little bit more crazy and a little bit more... A little bit more bohemian, really, which, oddly enough, is the way that Theodore was kind of set up. But yeah, man, I mean, that, that's it for <laughs> me. On have, you got anything, have you got anything um, else on that? Well, this is definitely one of those films that uh, grew in notoriety uh, the longer it, 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 it stuck around. Uh, at the time, it, it kind of got middling to poor reviews. I actually looked at a 1963 review from the New, uh, New York Times and it's and it's uh, disdain for some of the the filmmaking of it, and then I also read a that was far more kind, but still sort of dismissed it as well. It's well made, but it's kind of uh, disposable cinema, and uh, and it's now con- widely considered a absolute classic. So, yeah, which is kind of the way, isn't it, with um with horror films in general? Really, they're all considered, especially a lot of the classics, they're all considered trash, and then. Uh, they they become some of the most influential pictures in history. Mm-hmm. I think that's just unfortunately a a byproduct of people not giving horror the credit it deserves. If we're honest, absolutely, yeah. I'm definitely so going to go back. I mean, this is this is one of those films where you know within the week of watching it, I'm I'm going to go back and give it a second a second watch. So yeah, yeah definitely, definitely, definitely am. So yeah, man, I'll, I'll probably do it with a commentary next time if I'm honest. Yeah. yeah, it's rad. awesome, buddy. It's been a good one. I'm really glad you enjoyed this. And yeah, guys, if you haven't seen it, please do check it out. If you know, like please, I said, seriously, please. if anything is clear by the conversation that you've just listened to, I hope it's that it's it's a visual feast. Yeah, definitely, guys, go and check it out. I really, really think a lot of you will enjoy it, especially those that really enjoyed our recommendations of the uninvited. So yeah, go and check it out, guys. Let us know what you think. Drop your drop your notes down in the comments. And until next week, Horror Hounds, stay safe. Take care, everybody. Bye.